You know, I recently lost a guy I fought in Iraq with. Just hang on, hang on. I'm going somewhere with this. Lost the guy. I'm not going to go into the details, name and whatnot, but I will tell you this. If I had to go into combat with one human being, if I had to go back, there's a war, and they call me up, which they wouldn't do, but let's say they called me up, and they said, Jesse, you got to go to war. You could, pick, you could pick one guy. I would pick this guy. Yeah, I'm not just saying that because he's passed on now. God rest his soul. I said it routinely when he was alive. You get this guy into combat, and he's a warrior. I'll just put it to you that way, an absolute warrior. But there's a, another part of this. Part of the reason I'm not giving out names and things like that is because I do have to discuss the other part of this guy. We're going somewhere with this. Hang on a second. He was a little rough around the edges. If I was sending... Look, forget about me. Forget about me. One of my sons, they mean everything to me, right? I would send them with this guy into combat. Hey, Jesse, you could pick one guy to send with your sons. It'd be this guy. Like, that's how great of a warrior this is. However, if... I was to pick somebody to maybe babysit my sons, there's a good chance this would be the last person on earth I would allow to do so. If I was to go out with this guy, as I have several times, the chances it's going to end in some kind of a bar fight are high, and it did. Very rough around the edges. Tattoos, bad language. Spoke about women in ways that aren't the most appropriate. I'll just put it to you that way. Now, why am I discussing this human being? What does this have to do with anything? Well, we have this idea in America. Now, you probably don't, but a lot of Americans do. We have this idea about what the warrior really is. And you know what we do? We picture Captain America. That's what we do. Perfect hair, perfect teeth, perfect jawline, perfect pecs. Very polite. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. Let me hold that door open for you. No, young lady, I just would like a dance. Thank you, appreciate it. I will pick you up at church on Sunday. That guy exists, sure, but that's not what most of the warriors I've known are. They're type A, rough, around the edges dudes who talk tough, act tough, get in fist fights, drink too much, get ugly tattoos, and make bad financial decisions. Type A dudes, that's what lots of them are. Most of them are. And you know what type A dudes like my friend, again, rest his soul, who passed on, you know what they don't want to do? You know what they won't do? They won't sign up to fight under a pride flag. They won't. And if they're already in, they'll leave. Guys like that don't have any interest in fighting for that crap. And you can hate that guy, or maybe not want that guy around your wife, but that guy wins your wars for you. All those brave souls we just celebrated, we just got done celebrating D-Day. What do you think those guys were like? All those brave souls storming the beaches? Think they were all just the most polite dudes in the world? Or do you think they drink too much, smoke too much, cuss too much? That's who wins your wars for you. And we are now fostering an environment in our military that is going to completely destroy the military because without those guys, you don't have a military. Oh, you have fancy gadgets, fancy planes, fancy missiles, fancy radar, all those things. You know what all those things mean if you don't have warriors on the ground? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now, this stuff has been going on for a long time. Slowly. Very slowly. Obviously, under Biden, it's ramped up. Check out this army ad. Thank you.
This is the story of a soldier who operates your nation's Patriot Missile Defense Systems. It begins in California with a little girl raised by two moms. I also marched for equality. I like to think I've been defending freedom from an early age. Sure, I'd spent my life around inspiring women, but what had I really achieved on my own? One of my sorority sisters was studying abroad in Italy. Another was climbing Mount Everest. I needed my own adventures, my own challenge. And after meeting with an army recruiter, I found it. A way to prove my inner strength and maybe shatter some stereotypes along the way. Maybe you're inspired by that ad, maybe you're not, but I want you to picture my friend who's no longer with us. He's a 17, 18 year old as he once was and he's thinking about joining the US Army and he sits down and he's presented with that ad. What's he gonna do? He's gonna walk out the door and he's never going to fight for this country ever. He's not because they won't fight under this. We recently had the news, a U.S. Army base, well, the U.S. Army is considering letting soldiers change their duty station if they're offended by local laws that apply to their choice of gender. I mean, we have, we have the Secretary of Defense out there saying trans rights are human rights. And today we reaffirm that transgender rights are human rights and that America is safer and better when every qualified citizen can serve with pride and dignity. Yeah, no. And as much as I'd love to dump on the U.S. Army the whole show, my beloved Marines are just as guilty. There's nobody who's not doing this now in the U.S. military. The Marines just put out something for Pride Month, rainbow-colored bullets in the Kevlar in the helmet, the works. It's, it's all over the place. It can't be stopped. And look, when I was joining the Marines, part of the reason I joined the Marines was I wanted to see what I was made of. I wanted to be a tough guy. Right? I wanted to be one of those studs I saw on TV. Could I even do it? Would I quit? I don't know. But I want life to be hard. Now, if this is what we're presenting to new potential recruits, guys that want to be tough, want to challenge, want to see what they're made of, they're going to go seek out challenges elsewhere. They're not going to join. They're not going to join to do this kind of idiocy. So where, where does all this lead us in the military? What happens when you start doing this? Well, you get a soft purge. You soft purge all the good guys out and you soft purge the good guys you want to join into going to do something else. How's that end up? I don't know. Maybe the USS Bonham Richard ends up burning at port. It was at port. They didn't even turn on the fire alarm for 10 minutes after the ship caught fire. Caught fire. 10 minutes. We found out afterwards that the ship's fire, ta fire stations all shut down a disaster. We found out afterwards that they did have fire drills. Oftentimes, people wouldn't even show up. You see, when you decide your entire U.S. military needs to be the LGBTQ force, that leaves precious little time for little things like, I don't know, putting out fires on a ship. 
How this ends? I mean, look, that's a small example. You know how this ends? How this ends is a U.S. carrier group at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. Five, ten thousand sailors and marines on board at the bottom of the ocean. That's how it ends. When that day happens, when that day comes, and it will come, but this, if this still continues, you'll know exactly why we're there. I mean, we have official Marine Corps accounts getting in little Twitter fights with Tucker Carlson, of all things. I mean, this is how far the rot has gotten. And the rot is top to bottom. Now, let's not gloss over this fact at all. Part of this has come, especially when it comes to the, the, the Navy and infantry units, with the integration of women onto these vessels. It's more than just the LGBTQ insanity stuff. Women have no place on a deployed naval vessel at all. I don't care if that offends you. I need to clarify that. You're welcome to email in and yell. I don't care. It doesn't mean anything to me. Ask anyone who was serving in the Navy when women got integrated on the ships. Ask them how that worked out. It's not anti-women. It's not anti-men. It's pro-biology. Stuff a bunch of women on a ship with a bunch of 18-year-old men. And what do you think's going to happen? Romance, drama, disaster. Lots of things are going to happen that don't involve getting the Navy ready or keeping the Navy ready to fight battles. They, of course, decided to try this in other units, too, like my beloved Marine Corps. Oh, we definitely need women in the infantry. We need female infantry officers. One of, if not the first female infantry officer, was there for about 15 minutes before she was pregnant from somebody within her own platoon that she was supposed to be commanding. All this leads to the soft purge of the military. And remember, the soft purge is the studs who are already in. They've been in putting in the work. They have wealth of knowledge in their mind. They've been to so many schools, this school and that school, and he's this qualified and that qualified. And you need that guy to train future generations. He's in there. He's a stud. He knows he's a stud. He wants to train future studs and keep up the fight for this country. He doesn't want another seminar finding out how evil he is for being white. He's going to get out. And he's going to go make a pile of money going to do something else. He knows that option's always there for him. Didn't want to take it. Wanted to serve his country. He's going to take it now. And possibly more damaging. We'll never know because you can't ever quantify this. Maybe more damaging. That 16, 17-year-old boy. That guy from a tough inner city. He's hard as nails. Wants to make his life better. The Iowa farm boy. Kid on a swamp boat in Louisiana. Cowboy roping cattle up in Wyoming somewhere. Those are the guys who win you wars. The toughest nails, 16, 17-year-old that wants something better, wants to be different, wants to be a tough guy. And when he turns on the news and he sees pride flags flying on U.S. Army bases and drag shows happening on U.S. Air Force bases, you know what he says to himself? He says, I bet I can find other options. I don't need to join that. I won't join that. And rest assured, this has national security implications. We talk about we should step in here. Should we invade there? Should we send troops here? Well, very, very, very shortly, you're going to be asking, can our troops even win when they go into these places? I know that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We have a great show for you tonight on the soft purge of the military. Hang on. General Milley, I can only conclude that your advice about staying in Afghanistan was rejected. I'm shocked to learn that your advice wasn't sought until August 25th on staying 
past the August 31 deadline, I, I understand that you're the principal military advisor, that you advise, you don't decide, the president decides. But if all this is true, General Milley, why haven't you resigned? Resigning is a really serious thing. It's a political act if I'm resigning in protest. It would be an incredible act of political defiance for a commissioned officer to just resign because my advice is not taken. Yes, General, that's, that's the point. If, well, you know what, let's talk to Tom about it. Joining me now, Tom Amenta, former Army Ranger, co-author of the book, The 20-Year War. Tom, we're talking about on our special the rot in the military, and a mm -hmm. big part of the rot in the military is the leadership of the military. Our, I mean, honestly, anything above an 06 anymore sucks, and I don't know <laughs> when that happened or how that <laughs> happened, but these guys, it, it disheartens the troops when you have leadership like this. I, You know, Millie, I go back and forth on that guy. On one hand, he has had such an incredibly tricky set of situations but on the other hand it's like i don't i can't remember a person who was so lauded um you know through their career then it was people were so concerned that they weren't going to maybe or maybe not do the right thing and then somehow they've survived multiple disasters across two administrations and still keeps on ticking like he's he's been in this this job for too long he's been around and you just see that sort of second third and fourth order effect coming down from him in the senior command like i am just amazed that he's still in the post how does it affect describe for people how it does affect people when you have a bad whether it's your battalion commander mm -hmm. all the way up to obviously a big shot like millie how does that affect the guys on the ground because i think these guys get up in these posts and they think that the young pfc doesn't know that his leader is an idiot he always knows his leader's an idiot when, oh, yeah. when that's the case, and it does affect him a lot. Yeah, well, it's one of those things, the proof's in the pudding. Like, one of the great things about the military, especially combat arms, is you can't hide, man. You are on the ground, you are making decisions in real time, and when you make the wrong decision, you need to be held to account for it. Now, the best leaders are, are going to make mistakes, too. They just make less, and then they're the ones that hold the hands up and say, I made a mistake, my bad, here's how we're going to fix the mistake. And that's the critical thing. No one's perfect. Everyone's going to screw things up. But it's like what you see from a bad leader time and time again is it's either always someone else's fault or their their leader plan wasn't executed correctly or if only X, Y, or Z had happened. It's like, no, no, no. You've got to take accountability. You've got to say the buck stops me. The literal definition of a platoon leader in the Ranger the Ranger handbook for Ranger school is the platoon leader is responsible for what the platoon does or fails to accomplish. Same thing with the company commander, same thing with the battalion commander, same thing with the brigade commander, the division commander, all the way up. They're responsible for what that organization does or fails to accomplish. And when things are not being accomplished, it's on them, period. That's it. That's where it stops. Okay, so where are the resignations, Tom? I mean, you, look, you wrote the, you quite literally wrote the book, The 20-Year War, a 20-Year <laughs> War failure after failure after failure after failure for 20 years and was there a single resignation due to poor conduct mismanagement something like that or beyond any scandal things that happened was there a single one and i missed it not i mean not that i not that i can remember and you know that's part of the problem is, is with the 20 years and this is one of those things about when you start getting high enough the higher that you go up the ranks 
the more of a politician you become. That's that's really the truth. It's not an accident that the last two secretaries of defense have both been former four-star flag officers, former CENTCOM commanders, things like this, like because they've gone into a position where the higher you go up into that rarefied error, the grayer that line gets between commander and politician. And I think that that's what you're seeing. So why would any of these people resign? It's not in their best interest. I mean, I mean, flat out, like, why would you resign and get all of that heat and take all of those those things out there unless you happen to be in a Stan McChrystal position where you're the four star, you're the four star commander and Rolling Stone writes a hit piece on, right? Like, if there's no incentive not to do it, then at the end of the day, you're in this tiny little inner circle of, you know, that's the line gets grayer and grayer. And you've seen that over the past, I think, especially over the past 10 years um, since, you know, Osama bin Laden um, was taken out of the, that gray line between being a politician and being, you know, a commander. And I think that that's hurting the military. Okay, but you say it's not in their own best interest, and I, and I, I don't disagree, but we're dealing with people who are thought to be patriots, right? I mean, lots of these guys have put their lives on the line for mm -hmm. the country. It is in America's best interest, so they don't ever take that into account anymore? That, that, that goes away once you get promoted? You know, I, I think that this is one of those fallacies of human nature. I think perception is nine-tenths reality. I think that Lloyd Austin thinks he's doing a good job. I really do. I mean, Afghanistan was an absolute debacle. You know, he's he's done a better job with, with the Ukraine if we're going to try and be as an honest and authentic broker as I can be. But in his mind, I'm sure he thinks he's doing a great job. You know, I, you know, I've I've had a, the privilege to talk to some senior, you know, generals and things like that. That you know, some of whom I, I frankly told them I was critical of of some of the choices they made. They thought they were doing the best that they could, and that's, I think, part of the problem is that you get into that echo chamber and you start thinking that way and you start believing it, and it becomes more and more complicated. And it's incredibly frustrating when, especially for me, you know, I left as a platoon sergeant. You know, I had. You know, 45 dudes, and like that's who I was responsible for, making sure that they ate, making sure they had bullets, making sure that they had everything. And to me, it's like you look up and you're like, "What are you guys doing?" And but you get higher up there, you get more in that echo chamber. And I, I really think, and, and this is part of the problem, that some of these people think they're doing a good job. I actually think that Miley thinks he's doing a good job, and and that's part of the problem. Good grief, Tom Amenta, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you. Hey, thanks, brother. All right, Joe Kent joins us next. That's so profoundly embarrassing. Joining me now, running for Congress, one of the great ones running for Congress, Joe Kent. He's also a retired Green Beret. Joe... I know people don't like to talk about this and everyone likes to imagine that, you know, the military is always going to be fine and it's always going to be just fine and it's always going to protect us and a, a bunch of guys who will storm beaches for you. But man, I see some ugliness happen up there, brother. Yeah, I mean, I, I really actually, this is my least favorite topic. I get asked all the time by young people, hey, I really want to join the military and be a Marine, be a Green Beret. And I normally would say, hey, that's awesome. I'm really excited for you. But just the direction that the military has taken since Biden really came in, there was a lot of it going on during the Obama administration too. But right now with the extremist purge, with the vaccine mandates being forced down these people's throats, and then with the 
horrible withdrawal from Afghanistan. It's just our military is in absolute disarray, which is a complete and total travesty, but also it's completely avoidable. I mean, we have the most battle-hardened force right now after 20 years of continuous conflict, and it seems like the Biden administration is doing everything they can to not just purge patriots, but to purge any kind of warrior spirit that we have from our ranks. It's, it's dangerous and disgraceful. Joe, you brought up the vaccine mandate. Now, obviously, you're a retired Green Beret. What are you hearing from that tip of the spear community about the vaccine requirements? Are they being affected? We're talking Berets and, you know, Rangers and SEALs and whatnot. Are these guys uniquely affected by these vaccine mandates? Yeah, you know, they are. I mean, it, it takes a long time and a lot of uh, hard work and determination to get into any of our elite forces. So when guys make it to that level and they get told that, hey, you have to take this vaccine or it's all for naught and we're just going to put you out of the military or we're not going to let you advance your training or deploy. These guys all want to deploy. And so a lot of them have been forced to take the vaccine. Now, I know some of them are drawing a hard line and they're saying, hey, I'm going to draw my line in the sand. I'm going to get out here. But it's really having a serious effect on making people commit for these uh, very intense types of programs that are very critical to our national security. You know, I know quite a few people who got put out of the military uh, or decided to leave early. And these are guys that we, we should have retained you know in the service and there's something also that no one is talking about there's like one reporter i've seen cover it there is a rash of young people falling over dead from heart attacks right now young fit guys a lot of special operators at fort bragg i, I actually even know a few of these guys who, who've died you know i served for over 20 years in the special operations community and there's lots of things that were killing us in that time frame between the wars suicide ptsd and then toxic exposures but this cardiovascular uh, epidemic that's going on right now, people just young, fit men just falling over dead from heart attacks, that is brand new. And I think there's a direct cause and effect that at least needs to be explored with the vaccine that's just not being covered at all right now with it by the DOD. Joe, will you explain, I, I've done so, but I, I certainly wasn't a Green Beret. Will you explain to people why it matters so much when you have some salty seasoned veteran choose to get out. I've tried to explain the institutional knowledge that now is gone. It's vaporized. It's not passed down to that new group of guys who come in. It, it, he's worth so much more than just one dude getting out. Will you explain this? Yeah, I mean, in order to make it any, anywhere in Special Forces, I'll just use Green Berets as an example. It, it takes at least a year and a half to qualify and earn your Green Beret. And then you're you're brand new and you you truly don't know that much. The the qualifications course is intensive, it's great training. However, you're brand new. You need to go to a team full of very seasoned operators. And really, we had that from the war on terror. We had guys that run a full spectrum of operations, Iraq, Afghanistan, other places throughout the world. And so if we're starting to put some of these guys out early, a lot, most guys that go into special operations, there's a good chance that they're going to be career soldiers. They're going to stay in for 20 years or beyond. And now when you tell them that they have to take this vaccine and then they see the way that they were employed, how everything came crumbling apart in Afghanistan and the extremists stand down too, that really is disproportionately targeted people that lean right, which is a lot of folks in the special operations community and the combat arms community. If we start putting these people out, that next generation, they're gonna be put in a very dangerous position because they're not gonna have seasoned leaders to tell them just how intricate 
and you know uh, complex a lot of these operations are special forces we specialize in a region of the world so I, I spent a lot of time in fifth group so in the Middle East and Iraq in particular the Levant was something that I knew very well uh, we, we have to have a proficiency in the language and in the culture and those aren't really things that you can learn in a school it just takes time to get that experience and again what we've done with this in the last 16 months between the extremist stand down and between the vaccine mandate we've taken a lot of these people who we should be encouraging and incentivizing to stay in the military we've been putting them out and i, I think we're ha we have a much less ready force right now as a result joe we know we have a recruitment problem recruitment across the board is down i suspect it's because the 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 cajun in the swamps of louisiana the iowa farm boy the hardened dude in the inner city who wants a better life i suspect these guys don't look at a military the way it is right now and say man that's what i want i mean i joined the marines because i wanted to th see if i was a tough guy well i don't see that crap now and i think these guys are going on to do something else yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if you are a uh, alpha guy or even an alpha girl and you want to go test your medal against the best and you want to go kick some butt for your country, right now the military is doing everything they can to tell you that this isn't the place for you. If you just look at the all the different recruiting literature that's come out lately, all the different ads, it, it seems like they're just trying to really genuflect to the people that were never going to join the military in the first place. So it's it's no doubt and no, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that now our recruiting numbers are down because the, the typical type A folks that are going to try and seek out that challenge and then go serve because they're patriots, we're not even speaking to them anymore. And I think it's a shame. That's why I said at the, at the top of this, I it, it's hard for me when I get you know motivated young men coming up to me saying like, I wanted to join the military. How do you feel about doing it right now? And I'm like, man, it, it kind of breaks my heart. And right now it's it's 50-50, you know? You, if, if it's something you want to do, I can't stop you, but you got to look at the current administration and, and maybe wait until we get some better leadership in there. Yeah, that's a fact. All right, the military, military industrial complex, what is it and how's it affecting this soft purge? Well, people need to realize that uh, the military is very much, it's a business. They, they buy, we buy armaments and it's not just to outfit our troops and our, our forces. It, a lot of this goes to the partner forces that we have throughout the world. And then a lot of it has into these different uh, arms deals like you're seeing right now play out in Ukraine. We just voted to send, you know, 40 billion before that it was 13 billion all going to arm the Ukrainians. And a lot of that's coming from major defense contractors. A lot of the former retired generals like the current secretary of defense, Lloyd Austin, they sit on the boards like Austin's on the board of Raytheon. Uh, they sit on the boards of these defense contracting companies and really the continuation of war that is a massive boom for the military industrial complex in particular when it comes time for us to occupy places long-term build bases those types of things but then also training and equipping other forces that's a massive boom as well i mean with what's happening right now if ukraine the ukrainians said they needed whatever it is 53 billion dollars worth of javelins and, and other equipment so we send that over but then a day or so later you hear from the so-called experts in the pentagon they're like well we're depleting our resources so actually the military industrial complex gets paid twice they get paid once to send it all overseas then we get they get paid again when they resell the same stock right back to the department of defense and it's a circle it's a circular uh, a process too because you have the generals that are all sitting on the boards or getting ready to go onto the boards when they retire <sighs> what a daggone racket joe kent what's your website brother so people can support you yeah joe kent for congress.com any support people can give greatly appreciated running against the establishment and the far left joe kent for congress.com go support the man thank you brother
Thank you. I appreciate it. Hang on. Am I the only one that like looks up American flags and I'm just like, ugh, ugh. Like someone just came on the beach with American flag chair and they're giving me a very like Trumpy vibe. <laughs> I do think American flag is like very Trumpy now and I'm just like, I can't, I, I just cannot with any of it. <laughs> yeah. We have a bit of a patriotism problem in this country. Joining me now, retired U.S. Army Colonel, my friend Kurt Schlichter, also author of the book, We'll Be Back, The Fall and Rise of America. Kurt, before we get to the military specifically, I have often said that we have a patriotism problem. I mean, that guy's not the exception right there. He's quite common. How did that happen? I don't know. Is it something about estrogen and the inability to do push-ups? <laughs> I mean, look at that guy. I mean, seriously. I mean, if I were him, I'd head to a gym and not come out until I didn't look like I was transitioning. <laughs> All right, Kurt. Well, um, we're going to transition right from that into the actual military portion of this. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs is Mark Milley. Everyone famously remembers when he got up and had this to say. I want to understand white rage, and I'm white, and I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America? What caused that? I want to find that out. Kurt, it'd be one thing if that was just him running his mouth in front of senators, but we now have reading lists handed out by the military about how evil whitey is. I know you probably get these, I know I do, emails from people who are serving, talking about the open anti-white racism now taking place in the military. Kurt, this is not good. Oh, well, well first of all, Mark Milley is the worst chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in the history of Joint Chiefs of Staff. He's a disgrace. Look at what happened to Afghanistan. If we had a real president, he'd have been fired along with every one of them uh, and replaced with, I don't know, find me a good first sergeant. Give me a, get a little dose of common sense. Look, the military is no longer a warfighting organization. It's an organization designed to promote leftist values. Um, and, you know, and, and of course, it's kind of self-destructive for them because the, the left very, very much wants to have a, have a heavily armed force uh, that's able to impose its will. These guys can't even impose their will upon each other. Uh, it's really... A disaster on every level and the next Republican president's going to have to uh, uh, come in set the new standard and absolutely clean house how do you set the new standard what do you mean by cleaning house Kurt what what can he do what should he do well as I write in my new book we'll be back the fall and rise of America which you generously blurb uh, the first thing is the uh, new president needs to not be uh, dazzled by the stars on the epilepsy of these generals. Uh, and that was one of Trump's problems. Trump was impressed by generals and all the stuff they've got on their uniforms. The only thing that impresses me is a track record of victory. Uh, Mark Milley has presided over exactly zero military victories in the last two decades. So I think that's, that's the, the most important 
of uh, all his decorations, the big fat zero in the W column. Um, he needs to come in and he needs to set a standard quickly, but he needs to devote time. As a commander at the battalion level, acting brigade commander, my most powerful weapon system for managing my units was my time and attention. The new president should put, to get put aside an hour every single day and start making demands. General, my demand is that you eliminate every position that has the word equity, diversity, or inclusion in it. That you transfer whoever occupies that slot into a combat slot and you will report to me tomorrow at 9 a.m. that you have accomplished my intent. What is your, what is your quest? What are your questions about my intent? So bring your executive officer when you come in. Bring your deputy. So if you fail to tell me that you have uh, accomplished my uh, the mission I've assigned you, I will relieve you of command, and I will promote. I will put your deputy in charge. And the next day, your deputy will come and report to me that my intent has been accomplished. You do that a couple times, you're going to see massive changes. Soldiers do what commanders check. If the commander's checking war fighting, we'll see more war fighting. The fact is our commander, such as he is, that desiccated old pervert, uh, is checking wokeness. So we're getting wokeness. Kurt, why, I, I mean, there's a lot of talk about why hasn't Millie resigned, and I agree. How was how Millie not resigned in the wake of Afghanistan? But that, that's not what gets me, Kurt. It's that None of them did. Nobody. No one. No, no. no admiral. No general. No one has. Nobody has but, stood up but, and said, hey, this is a dangerous direction. I love my country. I resign in protest. Not one? Look, they, they do it quietly. They get out or they get passed over. A lot of people leave the service, uh, you know, at 20 years where they could have gone 30 because they're just done with it. Uh, some don't even try and become career. But no, and we see that all across the board, Jesse. I, you know, I keep being told that we should respect the FBI because it's only some people on the seventh floor. And there are a lot, there are a few bad apples, but there are a lot of good ones. Who's the person who said, hell no, I won't be any part of this. I'm not going to drag Peter Navarro off an airplane. I'm not going to go get a Republican uh, candidate for uh, uh, governor of Michigan. I'm not going to... Uh, you know, participate in the framing of a bunch of ne'er-do-wells for kidnapping the Stepford Gov. Uh, no, I'm not doing any of that. I quit. We don't see any of it, which tells me institutions fatally flawed. You, we need to defund and disband the FBI uh, completely uh, because it's become a disgrace. And as for the military, we can't defund and disband, uh, disband it, uh, but we can throw out generals who fail to comply. Uh, I would start, if I were the president, uh, firing all the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. I would promote, and not necessarily three or four stars. I might reach down to some two stars. Uh, folks that I thought would do what I want them to do. I would also fire all the heads of the military academies. I would fire the heads of the training and doctrine commands. I would fire the heads of uh, uh, all the organizations that have promoted this poisonous agenda. And I would make it very clear, if you want a career, you are a warfighter. If you, you know, if I see another rainbow helmet tweet or anything like that, if I see anything having to do with where anybody's grandpa came from, we don't have months anymore. You know, we don't have celebrations of ethnicities anymore. That's all done 
generals what are and admirals what are your questions about my intent and then you start firing people I think you will find a lot of people are very happy to get back to war fighting yeah but you gotta spend time <laughs> and attention and power Kurt, just, all right, finally, Joe Biden had this to say about China and Taiwan. I got a military question for you after this. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. You are. That's a commitment we made. Well, that's a commitment we made. We are not, look, here's the situation. We agree with a one China policy. We signed on to it and all the attendant agreements made from there. But the idea that that it can be taken by force, just taken by force, is just not is just not appropriate. It'll dislocate the entire region and be another action similar to what happened in in uh, in Ukraine. And so it's a it's a burden that is even stronger. Kurt, can we even stop China if we want to? Well, first of all, let's figure out if we want to. He says that's the commitment we made. Well, we didn't make any commitment. There's one way the United States makes a commitment to a foreign country. It's through a treaty ratified by our senators. And that hasn't happened. Now, it may be a good idea policy-wise. It may be a good idea strategy-wise. And I'm sure there are ways to uh, do it, not under the you know, ruined military that we have now, but under a, uh, a revised military. But we've got to start from the basics. If we're going to agree to spend American lives and treasure to defend another country, which I'm not necessarily against, we need to go through the process. This, you know, this desiccated old pervert deciding he's going to go to war against a nuclear armed superpower because because he wants to, because he's bored between uh, during that interregnum between when Matlock and Murder, She Wrote comes on? No, no, that's not how we do it. Kurt Schlichter, everybody, the book is We'll Be Back. Thank you, my brother, I appreciate you. Thanks, Jesse. All right, we'll be back. It matters. Honestly, if the military is being destroyed, it might be the most important thing in the world. Now, not right now. Not right now, because we're not under attack. There's not even really a threat of attack. But what do we do? What do we do if they choose to come here? Can we stop them? We're used to, the only country we've ever known is having the most powerful military in the world. That's the only country you and I have ever known. If that goes away, I think we'll find our standards on the world stage, our influence on the world stage goes away with it. What's happening in our military is a very big deal and it has to be stopped, all right? All right, we'll do it again.